0: feels to me like this one really is getting real in our Forgiven series. The previous Sundays have focused a lot on forgiving others, so there's other people around, other people in the picture. There's multiple personalities and interests, and you kind of can hide in the crowd, so to speak. Uh, this theme for this Sunday, uh, how can I forgive myself? It, it's me... And it's God. And there is no one else. And that, to me, felt like it's really getting real. And it was really a privilege to dive into Psalm 32 this week. Study it in the Hebrew and juxtapose words and read others and listen to other sermons on it. And uh, my prayer is that I can give both myself and you a blessing to answer that question today. How can I forgive myself? So, Psalm 32, if you have a pen, I'm going to give you a little treat here. If you're, if you're watching at home, Facebook Live, or watching this video, uh, grab a pen too. If you have Psalm 32 in front of you in your Bible or it's printed somewhere, there's four triads that King David, inspired by the Holy Spirit, writes into Psalm 32. And so, and it's, it's in Hebrew, and if, if I read it in Hebrew poetry, doesn't rhyme. If I were to read this in Hebrew to you, you wouldn't hear words that sound the same at the end. It doesn't rhyme. Hebrew poetry is a lot about ideas and weaving and parallelism and contrasts. And so uh, we have that. We We have four triplets in Psalm 32. Four threes for a total of 12. Interestingly, 12 is the number of the church. I don't know if David had that in mind or not. But th- here's some threes. There's three words that are used for sin. That starts in verse one and actually parenthetically repeated in verse five. Three words for sin. Three words for forgiveness that are woven into those three words for sin in verse one. There's three words for confession. In verse 5, woven into the second pair of three words for sin. And there's three words for divine direction in verse 8. That's what Hebrew poetry does. It, it says one thing three times to emphasize it and to give you a different color and flavor of it. All right, so here we go this masterfully woven and written psalm by King David, Psalm 32. Blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord does not count against them and in whose spirit is no deceit. When I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy on me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. Then I acknowledged my sin to you and did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the guilt of my sin. Therefore, let all the faithful pray to you while you may be found. Surely the rising of the mighty waters will not reach them. You are my hiding place, you will protect me from trouble and surround me with songs of deliverance. Now this is God speaking. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my loving eye on you. Do not be like the horse or the mule, which have no understanding but must be controlled by bit and bridle, or they will not come to you. Many are the woes of the wicked, but the Lord's unfailing love surrounds the one who trusts in him. Now David finishes. Rejoice in the Lord and be glad, you righteous; sing, all you who are upright in heart. This is the word of the Lord. I can't believe you did that. You are such a terrible person. You're a loser. I will never forgive you, ever, ever forgive you for that. Those are devastating words. Have you heard them? I think so. I have. And what makes those words even more crippling is this. When we quietly but convincingly repeat them to ourselves. How do you forgive yourself? There, there maybe are some sins, not all, that you struggle with having God's forgiveness, and you see it as not being able to forgive yourself. That's the question we're going to answer today, is why can't I forgive myself? And am going to clarify that? The Bible answers it. I'm going to clarify it by addressing three sub-questions, and they're these. What does it look like in my life when I can't forgive myself? Why does it happen? And how do I get past it? How do, I, how, do, how do I move forward? Okay, we're in this series, this forgiven series, and we're diving deeply into Psalm 32, and it's a perfect place for us to answer the question, why can't I forgive myself? Because David struggled with the same thing, King David in the Bible. Not exactly sure of the timing of this. Some commentators... Tip their hat a little bit. I'm I'm not going to go out on a limb too much. I don't think it really matters, other than we, we know this that David in the Bible is called a man after God's own heart, and he was a man of God. And he wrote Psalms like this one, and like Psalm 23, The Lord is my shepherd, and a lot of other Psalms. David committed two of the most grievous, haunting sins a person can commit. David committed adultery. He had an affair with a woman. He broke the promise of his own marriage and he caused her to break the promise of her marriage to her husband. And David murdered another human being, robbing that person of the life that God gave to them. Those are haunting, haunting sins, and they haunted David. David tells us what it looks like when you struggle with forgiving yourself. Uh, I'm going to just list what that looks like in David's own words and explain them a little bit. There's six different phrases he uses in Psalm 32 as to what what it looks like when you can't forgive yourself, all right? So right away here, verse three, my bones wasted away. Literally, the Hebrew there means wearing out, wearing down, but this is not osteoporosis, okay? This is physical fatigue fatigue and tiredness. When you can't forgive yourself, you're more tired than normal. You're fatigued. You're spiritually lethargic. Almost like you're paralyzed. Groaning all day long. Um, Groaning. It's, It's hard to express in clear words what you're feeling and how you're feeling. And so you have these sighs and cries And they constantly force you to relive what you've done all day long. You can't forget it. David says, your hand, he's speaking to God, your hand was heavy on me. That's that's talking about your spiritual life. And your spiritual life has become a burden and not a blessing. A duty and not a delight. And you feel like God and the church and religion are overwhelming and like they're harassing you, like they're bullying you. And, and when, you, when you can't forgive yourself, you're going to withdraw from that, from God and from religion and even from church. And there's, there's going to be resentment that builds up, a resentment against religion and against God. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. Oh, you- just don't feel like doing anything. You're, again, you're spiritually lethargic, lazy, you, you, you don't even feel like trying to forgive yourself. You're very passive, very non-resistant. Um, you're afraid to leave your comfort zone and take spiritual risks of faith. The rising of the mighty waters in verse 6. Maybe you have, you've had dreams like this. Maybe you've seen it happen on, on video or on TV. And God forbid you've experienced this. But crossing a low water crossing in your vehicle when the floodwaters are raging and it sweeps your vehicle away. Someone just told me about this a couple weeks ago. They drove their truck through a low, low water crossing and it swept this truck, this Hummer. It swept away. And, and their dad was in the vehicle and, and the waters in the vehicle were rising and he, could do, he couldn't get out. All right? You ever have dreams like that, right? Where the, you're drowning or there's something? That's that feeling David describes. Like the waters are rising and you're, you're helplessly afraid and there's hopeless dread and you know something bad is happening soon and you're not going to be able to stop it. That's the feeling. Finally, finally, Number six, many woes in verse 10. (laughs) Troubles just gang up on you. And then here's how you respond. Everything and everyone else is the problem. Many are the woes. There's so many woes, but, but they're everyone else's and everything else's problem. That's what it looks like when you can't forgive yourself. Do any of those signs or symptoms of not being able to forgive yourself feel close to home for you? Maybe some of them, some of the time, maybe for some of you, they've all taken over. Maybe some of you are, are just during that list starting to put the pieces together and realizing, I, I might have some unresolved shame and guilt in my life based on what David says it looks like. Or maybe you've already realized that and you struggled with it for a long time. So let's ask this question. We know what it looks like now. Why does it happen? If we ask that question, I think here's the most important question to answer under that question. If I struggle to forgive myself, is there a problem with God's forgiveness? If I can't forgive myself, is there a problem with God's forgiveness? Is is it, is it faulty in some way? Um, is it like my shaver where, uh, you know, if I go to work and I'm all grubby and scruffy and people say, man, they're, they're, you haven't shaved. Ah, my shaver's broken. It's my shaver's fault. Okay, well, it's not my fault. Or like the Wi-Fi in my house. We switched recently to a different level and trying to do Hulu and, it, and, it, and, we, and, and lightning hit so we had to get a new router and modem because ours burnt up and it hasn't been the same since, and it's, oh, it's frustrating. The Wi-Fi, Bentley, right? The Wi-Fi in your house has ever, like, go out and you, you can't, like, play video games? Yeah, he's like, amen, pastor. I want to come up and preach now. Uh, I can't send an email. I can't download. The, the, so the Wi-Fi inter- is interrupted. at hiccups, and there's, it's not my fault. There's nothing I can do about it, right? Is, does God's forgiveness work that way? Does it get broken? Is it faulty? Does it hiccup? Does it, is it unreliable in any way? Someone out there said no. That's a good answer. What if you've sinned more than you should? Romans 5 verse 20 says, Where sin increased, grace increased more. Your sin can never catch up to God's grace Ever. There's always more grace from God than sin from you. Romans 5, verse 20. Uh, What if some of your sins are just too terrible? You know, there's the little ones. God forgives you for those. But what if there's some sin, maybe one, maybe a few, in your life that are just so terrible? Psalm 103 says this, The Lord forgives all your sins. Okay, great. So, God's forgiveness works, but that's, that's only for the good people. It's only for the people who deserve forgiveness. I, I don't. Matthew 9, 13, Jesus promises, I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Oh, okay, well, what if, what if I believe that in order to be forgiven, I got to I have to respond to that sin sin in some way. I have to clean up my life a little bit. I have to get my act together first. Romans 5 verse 8 says, God demonstrates his own love in this while we were still sinners. Christ died for us. It's important to understand that God created forgiveness, designed it. God manufactured it. God keeps it in rich supply, and God gives it. As a free gift, it's perfect, and forgiveness always works, because God does it. It it can't go wrong. It can't go bad. It can't be faulty. Ephesians 1 says this, God's glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves, that's Jesus, in Jesus we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. So if I can't forgive myself, and the problem isn't with God's forgiveness, then what's the problem? God grabs the pen from David's hand right here in Psalm 32, and now God has something to say. And God writes, don't be like the horse or the mule, which have no understanding, but must be controlled by bit and bridle, or they will not come to you. (laughs) So... So God's saying, I have this farmyard, and in my farmyard there's all kinds of animals. I mean, I, I, I love animals. I mean, there's, there's chickens, and there's pigs, and there's horses, and there's, there's cows, there's goats, there's sheep, there's cats, there's dogs, there's birds. I love and all the animals, and I take care of them all. I've built cages, and coops, and pens, and stalls, and I have a barn, and I, all my animals, and, I've given all my animals names. I love them so dearly. They all have a name. And I call them in for their rest and their protection, for their feeding. I call them in, and they all come in, and they, well, except for one, Mr. Mule. Mr. Mule thinks that he can just stay out in the field and do whatever he wants. He thinks he knows better than his creator. He missed mule has his way, and you're not going to tell stubborn mule what to do. So God brings all the other animals into their pens, and their cages, and their stalls, and into the barn that he's built for them, and everything is great except there's Mr. Mule out in the field. I can do what I want. So God gets in his pickup truck, and he drives the pickup truck out to Mr. Mule, and he hooks up chain or a thick rope, and he puts a bridle on it, and he rams that bit and bridle and the donkey's muzzle in his mouth, and God starts driving his pickup. Mr. Mule is behind, digging in his heels, pulling, being pulled by the neck, digging in his heels, and there's, right, there's dirt spattering all over the place, and God is dragging that mule into the barn. David says, don't be like the mule. The mule thinks he knows better than God. The mule thinks, the mule has his own way and insists on it. The mule actually isn't really embarrassed or shocked by the fact that God is dragging him for another day back to the barn and actually is thinking, God, what is your problem? That's what God tells us about when we can't forgive ourselves. Here's the problem. Listen to this. Here's the problem. I'm like a mule. I've designed my own idea of what forgiveness is. And I don't want God's forgiveness. I want my forgiveness. That's the problem. And when... Anyone other than God designs any kind of forgiveness? It's not forgiveness. It, it, doesn't, it can't work. So the reason that I feel cruddy, the reason I experience those symptoms that David talks about, the reason, the reason I can't forgive myself is myself. Not forgiveness. Forgiveness isn't the issue. It's, my, it's, it's how I feel that I know better than God. How I design forgiveness my way. And so, David goes on and he talks about what, what happens. This And this isn't so much mule-like as it is human. When David describes this, not forgiving myself, he uses the words, cover up, deceit, and kept silent. David basically saying, when I can't forgive myself, Not at the time, but later, I realized I was lying to myself. I was lying to others, and I was lying to God. And I was hiding from it because I wasn't being forgiven. And I realized it was because I was trying to be forgiven how I think forgiveness is, which is usually, for human beings, usually involves self righteousness and works of some kind. I have to earn it in some way. I have to do something. Or I have to be punished, and we we literally start punishing ourselves emotionally, perhaps even physically, psychologically, punishing ourselves, thinking that that's what forgiveness is, and it doesn't work. And we say, I can't forgive myself. And God says, that's because you're being a mule. You're digging in your heels, and you don't want my forgiveness. You want your own. Uh, I found some Instagram theology. Uh, I thought I'd share this with you. Here's some Instagram theology. Forgiving yourself doesn't mean not being angry with yourself. It means not hating yourself. And usually with these memes, I see them and I go, oh yeah, I, connect. I get that. I connect with that. That, that. I can see how that makes sense. right? It's not not being angry with yourself. It's not hating yourself. But if we listen to what God just told us, I don't think that thinking less of myself when I can't be forgiven is the problem. What did God just tell us? Don't be like a mule. This should say, forgiving yourself doesn't mean not being angry with yourself. It means not loving yourself more than god the problem isn't thinking too little of myself it's thinking too much of myself when i can't be forgiven i am enamored with my way of how i think i should be forgiven and i think i need to be punished i'm i'm My way, I love my way, and my way is, I am so disappointed in myself because I'm a much better person. I go to church, I was raised in the church, I I give a lot to the church, I shouldn't have sinned in that way. I'm, I'm so good that I shouldn't have done that, and now I'm coming unraveled, right? You see all that? It's not that I hate myself. It's that I love myself too much, more than God. That's what it should say. Now, a mule is not going to come to Farmer Joe and say, Ah, uh, Farmer Joe, uh, stop, stop dragging me, but I, I get it. I'm sorry. I am so sorry for being stubborn, for digging my heels, and that's it. I'm done. I'm, I'm going to come your way just like your obedient dog. A mule's not going to say that, and not going to do that. But people, to whom God has given a spirit, a soul. People. Jesus' blood was, was shed on the cross for people. People can say, God, I'm sorry. I don't want to be like Mr. Mule. And what will God say? How will he respond? Here's a clear, reassuring Bible promise in 1 John chapter 1 and 2. Here it is. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. See where the problem is? If I I can't be forgiven, if I'm claiming to be without sin, the problem is in ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, God is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make God out to be a liar. So right, now that's number two. So first I lie to myself and then I'm lying to God if I'm not confessing my sins. I make God out to be a liar and his word is not in us. No wonder I can't be forgiven. His word isn't there because I'm deceiving myself. But if anybody does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one, right? The one who is righteous. No one else is righteous on our own by our behavior. Jesus is. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. Jesus is your advocate, right? He's your agent. He's someone who is a representative on your behalf. He represents the justice and holiness of a perfect God the Father, and Jesus steps into the Father's throne room On your behalf, he's your advocate. And he says, Father, holy and just Father, I know that you expect Darren to be perfect, and I know that he has not been. But I bring to you now my perfection and my righteousness on his behalf. You cannot punish him. You cannot be angry with him because he's perfect and righteous because I give it to him. That's Jesus as your advocate, your agent. And then it says he's the atoning sacrifice. Atone, to atone means just break the word in in two. At one. That's what atone means. So Jesus makes you at one with God. That God's not going to punish your sins. He's already punished them in Jesus. And so you've already been forgiven. God's already manufactured your forgiveness by what Jesus did. So, I want to say it this way, and this could be taken the wrong way, so I want to be careful. I'm um, going to explain forgiveness. When I think about being forgiven by God of a sin, I just can't get over. Remember this: forgiveness doesn't happen to me without first happening to God. Okay. So, when you're struggling with forgiveness, realize you're not the first on the scene. It's not just you in your own little world. Forgiveness already took place not in the sense that God needed it God Jesus wasn't never sinned Jesus didn't need to be forgiven God's never been forgiven and never will be forgiven you and I are the sinner but as the savior God was first on the scene in the sense that he forged and he manufactured and he made happen forgiveness even before you got on the scene Remember those signs and symptoms of what, what it looks like when you can't forgive yourself? Your hand was heavy upon me, my strength was sapped, right? A spiritual lack of energy. Here's what's amazing you can go in the Bible and find every one of those that, that your advocate and your agent and your Savior Jesus experienced also. Jesus lived and experienced exactly what it's like to not be able to forgive yourself. Not in, this, not in reality that Jesus was supposed to forgive himself and he couldn't, but as a person and a human being because our sins were on him, even our sins of not being able to receive God's forgiveness, those sins were on Jesus, so he experienced those signs and those symptoms. I look back at Psalm 22, um, Psalm Psalm 32 is a penitential psalm. Psalm 22 is a messianic psalm. It's about Jesus. Listen to some of the words, and this is even David writing in Psalm 22. Listen to some of the words that are used for Jesus. Cries of anguish. Find no rest. Scorned. Despised. Trouble is all around. Pierced hands and feet despised. That all, all those signs and symptoms of not being able to be forgiven, of not forgiving yourself, all those signs and symptoms already took place in history in Jesus. And that's God's way of saying, I forgive you so much you don't need to experience any of those ever. Jesus' strength was already sapped by your sins. The mighty waters of justice rose and rose on Jesus as he was dying of suffocation on the cross, and he sensed it and they were rising, and they rose ultimately drowning him in death of God's justice as he drank the cup of God's wrath to the last drop so that you will never need to experience that ever. That's God saying to you when you say, I I can't forgive myself, God. He says, I already did. Forgiving yourself is not your job, God says to you. Forgiving you is my job. And everything God does, he does perfectly. And it always works. That's our comfort about being forgiven. So that's what it looks like, why it happens. And now finally, how do we get past it? How do we move on? We've already been really covering that as we come to God in honest confession and, and we know we're forgiven. That's really the, the linchpin about how we move on. Here's how David says it in verses 5 and 6. Then I acknowledge my sin to you and did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord and you forgave the guilt of my sin. Therefore, David says, let all the faithful pray to you while you may be found. Maybe it was you who caused the accident. Maybe you committed adultery and and had an affair. Maybe you chose to have an abortion. Maybe you hid something unethical in the business deal. Maybe you served in the military and cannot forget what you saw and did. Maybe you were neglectful as a parent and feel like you've damaged your kids. Or, maybe you look back on rebellious teen years that hurt your parents. These are grievous, haunting sins, but none of them are beyond the grace of God to forgive. You and I cannot forgive ourselves of any of those sins or any sins at all, but God can, and God does because it's His job. So, practically speaking, really practically, how to get past it? I would. Say I, have, I have one answer to that question: Pray to God for forgiveness. Pray to God for His forgiveness, which is the only forgiveness that works. Pray to God for forgiveness. Because look at these words, right? In verse 5 and 6. He loves to be found. David says, let, let all the faithful pray to God while he may be found. God, it's like playing hide and seek with a three-year-old, right? And, and grandpa's playing hide and seek with a three-year-old. Where does grandpa go and hide when the three-year-old's going to look for grandpa? Right, the next room, half behind a corner, half not, with a foot purposely sticking out. So the three-year-old comes in the room. Oh, I found you, grandpa, I found you! That's like God who wants to be found. But look for him. He wants you to come to him in prayer. And he's not ever going to hide so that you can't find him so that he's not there. Secondly, pray to God for forgiveness, for his forgiveness, because he understands you can be totally transparent to him and open about everything. Because he understands what it's like because Jesus went through it. What it was like to can't forgive her. Jesus went through it because he was carrying your sins. And here's the third thing, very practically. I learned this this last week as I studied this and I was reading a book about confession and repentance and prayer. And, and it's changed how I pray how, in my prayers of confession and Repentance. And it said this. This was a part of the book or a devotion in there. It said, when you are praying to God for forgiveness and if confession and repentance that is true and honest and transparent and real and humble, you're not only going to go to God to confess the sins that you know, but there's these sins that you don't know you've even done. And I thought I was going to say just pray a blanket prayer for all those that you don't. It, it didn't say that. Here's what it said. When you're praying for forgiveness and confession to God for sins you've already, that you know you've done, you can start doing that and grow deeper in that and closer to God in such a way that when you are doing that, you discover in that intimate moment with God sins you do not know you committed, and not in a scary way, not in a I-can't-forgive-myself way, but in an amazing, adoring, oh, God, you are, you are bringing to my mind and heart other sins, and these are sins I can take to you and receive your forgiveness and your grace for also, and maybe, just maybe, those were holding me up, like, in a, in a way I didn't know, like the ones that I did know. That would be my invitation to you and my challenge for you to this week begin praying and confessing and repenting your prayers in a way that you, are, you, you start to face and, and feel and discover sins of yours you didn't even know. But it's okay because Jesus has made them his own and they're forgiven and they're gone. That person... Who does all those things, Psalm 32, God's Word, describes in one word, more than once, blessed. Amen. Let's pray. Gracious God, we've grown closer to you and deeper in our faith and our understanding of forgiveness today. Your forgiveness and your love is so high and so wide and so deep. And the power of Satan and of our own sinful flesh that tells us lies wants to catch up and wants to be higher and deeper and wider. Lord, in your mercy, be with us. Have patience with us. Speak your word to us to chase the lies away and to help us apprehend and appropriate to help us truly believe and take into heart your deep love for us. When we're tempted to not forgive ourselves, remind us that you aren't the problem and that we can come to you and not be mules anymore and receive your free and faithful grace. You've built us barns and barns and barns of your mercy. Thank you for Jesus, our Savior, for these words of David and his experience in Psalm 32. As we continue to struggle with forgiveness, have mercy on us, give us your patience and peace, and help us to forgive others too. In Jesus' name, amen.